All right, guys. Hi, we're back on this podcast, Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. We're doing part two of this, where we have Reynolds Lukey talking about you know building wealth, intergenerational wealth, his values on you know how to pass on his wealth and his wisdom to the next generation, where he graciously shared with us on the last episode. But here we're talking about everything investing and entrepreneurism, and today we have him talking about how he's built the wealth, how to choose investment strategies. I mean, he's seen it all, right? He's, you've worked with large organizations from, you know, uh, from New York, where you were a litigator to, you, you know, some of your experience about you know, how you had participated from sports. I think there's a lot to explore from that end, how sports related to your professional life as well as your investment life. So again, once again, Renal Lukey, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast, Investorpreneur, where we talk everything investing and entrepreneurism. So thank you for joining us once again. My, my pleasure, Peter. My pleasure. It's great fun. I'm delighted that we have a chance to connect across the Pacific in real time. Absolutely. And you know what? Over the several weeks, you've inspired a lot of my thoughts you know, as to how I you know, not only built the wealth, but also preserve it and to also pass it on. So in the last episode, you shared with us some of the philosophies as to intergenerational wealth, how to, you know, with the sharing of the family, the 10, 10, 80, as well as the, 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 the opportunities to share with your children how they model after you. But now we're going to take a little bit of a pivot into building wealth because, you know, abundance obviously was a lot in your life. You've had a great career as a career coach. You, you also work with entrepreneurs, you know, uh, you know yep. serial entrepreneurs from startups all the way to IPOs for people who really want to get to understand, you know, what you can do. You get, I, I want to pick on that as well, but let, let's go into the basis. I mean, one of your philosophies is perseverance beats intelligence. So can you share with us what you mean by that? Because, you know, that was something you brought up. That was a very important part of your belief system. So how is perseverance more or beats intelligence? Well, I think for, for me, the way that's played out over the years is that I've learned that you can't sow and reap in the same season. You can't plant and harvest in the same season. Because if you do, all you're doing is digging up seeds. Right. And I think one of the things that perseverance teaches you is, is the patience that you need. Okay. Now, <clears throat> we've seen over the last few months, we've seen on the mark in, in the stock market some examples of companies that have, have done, uh, you know, two, three, four hundred percent in one year. All right. right. Uh, classically, you would say that's the sign of a bubble. Who knows? Okay. Um, but one of the things that you recognize or, or I've come to recognize over the years and, and all of the reading and all of the experience and all the coaches that I've had over the years is you might have those, okay, uh, but that's not the norm. I mean, you think about the reason it's getting all the press is that it hasn't happened except once in a while. One of the things I, I like to, to, to always remember is that in 1970, the Dow was at 350 and Xerox was at 150. I mean, <clears throat> just think of Xerox as right. 150, the Dow is at 350, okay? Like, we've been here before. Yes. Okay, we have been here before. You know, a GE, you know, you, I mean, you, you just, 
look at it, IBM, all of those companies, all interesting and had their time, all had their time. Railroad was once king, okay? You know, just you know, look at JP Morgan, you know, oil was once king, John D. Rockefeller. You know, so, so you look at those things. So, so one of the things is to be open to the, the reality that things have an arc, things have a lifetime, things have a cycle. And as I also learned early on when I was working in New York, bears make money, bulls make money, pigs get made in a bacon, right? You know, I mean, really, you know, being consistent and having a philosophy and being patient and being thoughtful and always being willing to learn and also recognizing that the idea that you as an individual investor, unless you're a JP Morgan, you know, pre-SEC where you can manipulate the stock market, none of us has that power. Okay, maybe, maybe some oligarchs, what have you, maybe they have a shot at it. But most of us, the idea that we can somehow beat the market, that we can somehow, our, our wisdom is so much greater. <clears throat> I, I, I learned a long time ago that it's like, there's no way. So, so I, to, to be fair, to be fair, <clears throat> I did not, I was not always a brilliant investor and I don't claim to be a brilliant investor. What I have learned is certain things that work for me. All right. I mean, I, I did portfolio theory in business school. You know, I, I actively did for about 10 years. I did dartboard. I mean, literally, I would put that. It's like I would go over there. And I was like, okay, you need a portfolio of like 20 to 30 stocks. And I just throw the. Yeah, you are kidding. So you've actually done that. You've, you've yeah, put I, a board I, on the wall the, and you just. Back, back in the late 80s, back in the late 80s, you know, after the stock market crash, once I come up, whatever. You know, then we've gone up and down, correction or whatever. But but I did that. It's like, yeah, let's see if this works. You know, I, so, so how I, did it work out? How did it work out, Ronald? It worked. It worked. It worked. Okay. I mean, it it met and it and it went up, basically like you know, I had this like thirty different stocks and I invested a little piece in each of them, and it worked. Okay. Now, did it work brilliantly? Some was up and down and up and down, and the other thing was, <clears throat> what I realized was it's not my real passion, you know, sitting there and all that, you know, because particularly when you have a job that occupies a lot of time. So my kids learn to grow up and value my time in the same way that I valued my time as my father's a family doctor, because I was out the door at seven and I was typically home rarely before seven. Okay. Right. And I tell my kids, look, if you want to succeed, you got to work part time. It's seven in the morning to seven at night or seven at night to seven in the morning. That's just the reality of what you're going to have to work, especially early on. And the, the idea then was, you know, when I was working in consulting in, in, in executive search for Egon Zender and is, you know, I also traveled 150,000 miles a year. Right. Okay? But I always made it a point to the extent possible to reduce the days I was gone. So as a result, I was doing at least one red eye a month for 15 years, 20 years, because I didn't want to be spending more time away from my kids than I could and from my wife, to be honest. So that was the, the thing there. So I'd start off at Dartboard. And then what I found over time was 
let's see what we can do and look at like Magellan and, and funds and, and sort of those as those funds were evolving and look at some of that. And then eventually I, I wound up then, as I say, there were certain like real estate investments where, you know, I was actively involved, condominiums, things like that, working that. Uh, what I discovered was, you know, fixing toilets and, you know, that kind of stuff was, was not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is it mine. No, it's not. And so, so I learned, you know, so, okay, so how much of an investment, you know, what is it looked at the numbers became more astute at looking at numbers as opposed to, okay, you know, we got this and, and, and figuring out how much should be in what part of the portfolio and saying, okay, who, who can I talk to and learning that I would have typically two or three advisors that I would talk to guys who I respected in, in the bond market and in, in equities and in real estate. And I'd see what were their philosophies, what was, how it was working for them. And then sort of, okay, that makes sense. And over time, I found that, that I increasingly said, I will rely on professionals who know what they're doing and recognize they need to eat. I'll give them a cut. And as long as they're doing, you know, significantly better than the market, I'm happy to, to give them my money and let them manage that side of it. Okay. Right. So you didn't, then, you didn't take everything on your own. You sort of went, okay, you know, eventually as you pro focused on your, pro your professional, um, you know, entrepreneurism and as well as your career, you right. gave, you know, the savings that you had and you divvied it up with several advisors or people that you trusted. Exactly. And, yep. and you let them work and, and did, was it in various faucets or was it, you know, was it, was it all in the market bonds, derivatives, or, you know, I, obviously you have a huge IPO component in you. So, so, how did you so there was, so there was, so the big thing was that there was in, in each of them had their own particular specialty. Okay. Some were, as I say, in, in different types of bonds so that they would be predominantly bond oriented with a little bit in equities. Others were more, um, were small caps and, and things of that nature. Others were uh, over time as, 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 as things go. Whereas, okay, well, there's, here's some you know, private equity opportunities. Okay. Right. Um, and that was their focus there. And others were, were in, in the, in how, seed rounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. How do we go into seed rounds? And sometimes I would invest directly in seed rounds with, yes. with companies directly or in like a series A and what have you. One of the things just, you know, for, for those, um, what I learned with, with a lot of seed rounds and pre IPO investing was you have to be willing to take the long view on this because oftentimes a seed round just means that you have a seat at the table to invest the next time round. Okay. Yes. And so one of the things you also learn is that just because you missed the seed round doesn't mean you've lost. Okay. Just because you've missed the A round or the B round doesn't mean that you've lost. Sometimes, you know, you can do really well post IPO, you know, so, so it's just a question there. So one of the things that I, I learned, in executive search, you know, 30 years of executive search, what I've learned is I don't know of any company that's been successful with poor management, mm -hmm. okay? That you can't sustain uh, a company with poor management. So that's fundamental, right? They, there has to be the right technology that 
there, you know, it has to be timely. I mean, I had guys in the late nineties who were doing gigabit ethernet, you know, doing you know, gig bandwidth. 2001 happened. They were had companies of 350, 400 people on a rocket ship and it just went zero in, in two months. You know, so the right timing is very important is what you're saying. So you can't be exactly. too early either. No, because let's not forget Steve Jobs demonstrating the Newton in 1991, right? It's, you know, everybody said it was silly. How could you do this? I mean, the idea that, that we would have communicators on Star Trek, you know, that, that you know, that's like, like cell phones, cell phones. It was like mobile phones. Those, those come in boxes like that. I, I remember my first compact uh, portable computer. That sucker weighed 35 pounds. I mean, it was like worth, even it was, you, you bench pressed on sucker. You know I mean? It was amazing. You know? and, I remember and those days. Those thing, were the 386 yeah. thing. You know? oh, yeah, floppy man. disks and everything, right? Oh yeah, totally. So, so part, of, part of what I've been blessed with is I grew up and have seen the transition of technology. When I started computer programming, I was doing space shuttle flight software, key punching eight hours a day on an IBM 360. Okay. And we got, we got to program in a hundred K. So you, you had these giant stacks and, and status was status was being a senior programmer so that you could get one of these uh, floppy, these, these, these 20 inch floppies where you, they went could chunk and you turn them on and they had a whole two and a half meg. I mean, it was amazing, right? That, that all that you could do and, and the computer would run all night to process one program, right? Right. As, as one guy likes to say, he says, yeah, I worked on a computer that could do 30 MP3 songs as storage and it took 30 minutes to render one song. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, so that perspective allows, allows me to, to say what works, what doesn't work. And at the end of the day, business and investing is, is investing in, in people, ideas, and, and do they have the right time? And that right timing is also a situation. Because, I, I mean, I've invested in some great startups that went to zero. You know, because why? Timing wasn't there. You know, it's one of the things I also learned was like in biotech. You know, biotech. You got to have a 15-year horizon if you're expecting something out of biotech. You know, software, you know, obviously a shorter time. But this is the other thing too: is a lot of people sit there and say, "Oh, I'm going to make millions in like two weeks." Now, if you are, it's the lottery or it's a Ponzi scheme run by Bernie Madoff. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, like what? You, you, if it's too good to be true, it is, right? You know, there, there's, there's, and and I think this is the thing too: is that. I also learned, and this was a piece of advice I got early on in my when I was in New York and, and learning to, you know, being a litigator and, and talking with people on because I was I was working on Wall Street, you know, I was on a law firm on Wall Street, and so you meet these Wall Street. And the, the advice I got from one guy I've never forgotten is never play with money in the market, never play with investment money that you can't afford to lose. Yes. It, it has to be. And so, so it was a situation where you, you did, and that's what portfolio theory, you know, was helpful too, but, but just this philosophy of 10, 10, 80 that we talked about, which is, you know, there are certain things that you protect. Okay. And, and you have to be pretty 
confident about something and willing to commit to and be comfortable with. And, and to be fair, it's been very powerful for my wife and myself having started with zero, as right. I say, having started with nothing. We have talked about the fact that if, you know, we're blessed to live in a part of the world where, you know, real estate on our house has just exploded. Okay. And all of those, and we've been blessed by a lot of good investments and, you know, things that have paid off in different situations. But, <clears throat> you know, if we have to go to a tiny home and we're, we're living out of an RV, you know, we could do that. And <laughs> there, done that, right? So, Reynolds, can you share with us what? So, I mean, you shared basics of your philosophies of investing, right? Never, right. you know, uh, you know, be able to diversify a number of different things. Now, you've also participated from C round all the way to IPO. So, right. and you've worked with a lot of successful entrepreneurs yourself, and actually looking at how uh, a lot of them have raised capital. So as a matter of right. fact, from, from that basis, can you share with us some of the traits that you look for, or, or better yet, also to avoid, right? And when you invest, right? And, what, and then we'll follow up with that in terms of how to uh, raise capital. And I think you out of all people, you know, have a lot of respect in that sense to, to share a little bit about that. But let's start with this. What are the key traits to have when you're investing um, with other people? And then what are the traits that you want to avoid? You know, like pitfalls that you go, yeah, yeah that, that's definitely not the type of opportunity. Can you share with us some of your wisdom there? Sure, happy to. So I think for me, what I found, particularly if I'm looking at seed round or AB round or you know that type of situation, as an investor, I need to look at it a, do I believe in the management team? I really look at and spend the time looking at what's their background, where have they worked, how have they been successful, where have they failed, okay? What have they learned from the first? If I have somebody <laughs> who says I've never failed, that, that scares me to pieces. I, I, I won't invest in that. Somebody who, who's never failed, I, I also look obviously for track record in the management team. So. So the management team comes first, okay? okay. That, that's got to be there. Then I have to look at it and I have to be able to do and understand. And that's one of the things I've learned is I don't invest in things I don't understand. Okay. All right? Just if, if, if this is a marketplace I don't understand, I won't go there. Because uh, I need to feel comfortable. I need to be able to sleep at night and say, yeah, I believe in this and this. I can understand. Where so I need to be able to look through and understand the balance sheet. I need to understand, you know, where the income is, where the expenses are, what's the trajectory on those. And does this make sense? Does, does this make business sense? If, if, if the, the profitability point is somewhere, you know, 10 years out there, no, not going to happen. Okay. I, it's, you know, I have to see something in that a clear path so that, I, that the burn rate is such that they will get to a point where they will actually be able to start having revenues mm -hmm. and those revenues will equal profitability. And that's within the next five years. If I see a five-year horizon that that looks like that can go and there's a good story and that's, that's not the most optimistic case, you know, there's best case, worst case, most likely that those flow. So the money, so the money burn rate is there. The, the product 
development pa path looks reasonable? You know, do, can I buy into that? And and is the is the team successful? Do I believe the team? Do they have if they've given if I can give them the tools? I mean, it's it's like a house. Okay, is this a general contractor who's shown that they can build houses, and that you know if I give them the money for the materials, they're going to build a house that they can sell at a profit at some right. point. It may take them two years to build a house. Okay, but they will get there. They will invest. And that's what I look for in those investments. And, and also then as the thing is going forward, again, particularly pre-IPO, how much dilution I'm, I'm going to be, how much am I going to have to have in my PE bank to invest to stay at whatever level or is, am I willing to, to accept the dilution? Mm -hmm. uh, early on, I got burned badly by not being you know being as as diligent reading the materials reading the, the the stuff there as to the dilution i had a couple of them where i got you know diluted way out and and it was like okay <clears throat> learning experience chalk that one up to education right okay so what are the pitfalls to avoid now now with that hindsight you've gone through this whole process what are things aside from good management you know track record their experience, their failures, the management team. What are things to avoid in this particular case, Reynolds, when a lot of us here, entrepreneurs, obviously also raising capital, right? And working with other investors and, and, and building a business. What would you say are things to avoid when you as an investor are looking at a startup or even a, you know, or, or established business raising capital? It Again, everybody has their their particular preferences. I'm I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for somebody on a, as I say, whatever round it happens to be. I'm looking for how are they spending the money? Are they, uh, you know, are the are the salaries, are the compensation, is there alignment there? Okay, so that that the founders, that the that the team there is genuinely motivated to make this thing a success. Right. How much of it, you know, do they have enough skin in the game where they are going to be committed for that? Because if I have somebody where there's, there's, that there's no skin in the game, that they, all they're doing is drawing a, you know, a big salary and, but they don't have that, that they don't have that much invested in us. Like, no, that just looks odd. Right. Those are the kind, those are red flags for me, for example. Mm -hmm. So, I like look for saying, okay, this person is is a majority of their wealth is tied up in this. How much money have they put in? Have they done the infamous, you know, I mortgage my house to the hill, oh, this kind of thing. And and if they have that, then I said, okay, then I then I'm willing to take a risk. And it is at the end of the day, we have to accept that it is a risk. Mm. There is there is nothing certain. You, you, I mean, we have politicians running around the world right now pretending that they can control a virus. I mean, it's like I'm sorry, guys, yeah, <laughs> you flunk biology. It's like forget about it, right? Just there are some things you control, some things, and and what you do is, is okay. And if it doesn't go perfectly, if if it's the downside, if is what happens if bad stuff happens? You, know, what is your plan? How would you? And what are? And just being willing to accept. Yeah. Okay. Because that is the reality. I mean, all of my VC friends, I mean, whether they're running, you know, a few hundred million or they're running, running several billions, they all have the situation where they recognize 
90% of their companies in their portfolio will go bust. They won't right. make it the IPO. I mean, it's, it's, it's unless, unless they only invest like in, in D round plus, then okay, you know, eventually they will. But not all of them are successful. And, and so it's a situation of their recognizing, yeah, some of this, a lot of this won't work. A lot of this will go bust. A lot of this I won't, I won't be successful on. And, and that's where I say, go back to this, you know, pigs get made into bacon. You know, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you, not all of it is going to be successful. However, however, from an emotional, you know, staying centered perspective, as long as I believe that they've been spending the money well, I've helped somebody, you know, in their career. I've helped somebody, I've advanced the science, the technology, I've, I've advanced something. I mean, good has come out of it. Right. I didn't make the return on it. I lost everything, whatever. But something good came out. And, and so I think if you figure out that that's where you, you are coming from, that, that you are planting seeds. And then the other thing I look for is how much can I be invested in and involved with this investment? Mm. <laughs> and and so there are certain things where I, if it's something really interesting, then I'm more actively involved. And that would be, for example, do, am I investing in this? And am I doing, for example, some consulting work for them? Okay. Right. Am I, am I doing some search for them? So am I, am I recruiting people to them? Am I bringing, do I have an involvement so that I am getting a flavor for, and I think particularly the earlier on that is, the more important it is that, you figure out, is this something you want to be emotionally involved with and, and get engaged with and keep track of? Then you have a better, far, far better chance of success. Mm -hmm. right? If it's completely behind you know, the curtain and you can't see anything, you can't, can't get there, there's, and it's completely passive, that's a different risk preference profile that you have to accept and say, okay, I just, then I better make sure that I'm staying that do, do they have like monthly, do, can I see the monthly financials on this? This is one of the things that, that, you know, particularly in, in seed rounds and stuff like that, how much access do you as an investor have into the financials? You know, right. can you get, does, does the CEO respond to you? And, and I think the flip side is if you're raising money and, and you're, you're, you're trying to raise money, I think it's really important that you, act professionally and and are in communication nothing scares an investor more than when the phone goes silent there's no email response whenever that just is really and and stuff happens and if you are as somebody who's looking to raise capital as an entrepreneur if you are upfront and, and communicating then people are generally willing to work with you and say okay hey okay let's uh, you need some more, okay, this is, and why is that? If this was something like, you know, upside, downside, you know, oh, well, we had this, this occurred, we need this, and we can bridge this, and it's a good story, then investors are generally pretty understanding. Say, okay, sure, yeah, we can make, I understand it. But if there's no, no communication, or if it's right. only bad news, then obviously, then, then something's not working there. And so, so as an investor, you look at, you know, the trans, the, the transparency, I mean, much abused word, but, but are you community? Does, does the investor feel a partner in the, in, in the enterprise? And, and the more you as an entrepreneur can get the people feeling that they are part of the success and that, that, and that's what you should be looking for as an entrepreneur is can my investors help me advance my business? 
Can they give me access to new markets? Can they give me access to additional funds, you know, additional sources of capital? You know, how, how do I leverage that? So those are all those kinds of things that you, you want to be looking for. In, wow, you've brought up very, very good points there because you, know, you look from both sides of the angle, one being the investor and the second being the capital raiser. I think you've brought up some very, very key elements to you know, funding a business and working with businesses, both from various sides. So you know, taking the, the, the final turn here into sports, I mean, you're an athlete, you've done 70 plus triathlons, you've done 20 plus Ironman. This is the only year because of COVID so that you're not participating or, I mean, there's still three months left. But you know, with that being said, can you share with us some of how that in sports, some of the mentality, some of the things that you've learned in sports and why you keep doing these triathlons. I mean, like you've done them all. So why are you doing this, Reynolds? Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's a very good, very good question. Well, I think, I think it's a situation where somewhat facetiously is that if you were abused as a child, you know, you're an abuser. Uh, I think having grown up <clears throat> with, with a dad who kicked me out of bed in the morning, you know, at, before six o'clock and I had to do, you know, like uh, at least a mile before breakfast. And, and by the time I was in high school, I was on cross country. I wasn't, because for a variety of reasons, I, I, I wasn't the fastest, okay. But, you know, I was running, you know, a 10K, you know, five times a week, I was running a 10K before breakfast. And, and as a result, uh, you know, the two mile was my, was my event, right? Because you know, part of it was, you know, all these, all these pretty boys, you know, they just died, you know, so I, I was able to you know, get that. Now, you also learn to be, you get humbled there by your children. I, I still remember vividly my, my youngest, when he was 11, uh, did, did a 41-minute uh, a 10K, and I said, I think I have to pass on the baton, you know, and the other one, the other one was doing a, a 438 on a mile as, as in, in, in ninth grade, and I thought, nah, it's not my, that's, that's not where I am anymore. Um, and, and being willing to do it. I mean, one of the things which is nice about triathlon, about Ironman is <clears throat> you don't worry so much about the transition times anymore. You take your time, you know, you, you, you go to the bathroom, you catch a break, what have you. And the shorter distance is time, you know, the transition times get to be an important part of it. You know, when at the Ironman, it's like, do you finish? And I think this do you finish is, is a reflection of, of why I do it and, and why I love Ironman as an example of why it's important. My, my father always said, be like the ancient Greeks, everything in moderation. He says, and whatever you do with your mind, do with your body to keep the mind in balance, the mind-body balance there. So he was always a great one that the more stress you have in your life, the more active your physical activities need to be, because it's the only way to you know, get that, that enormous churning that's going on in your head. So that's one of the reasons why, for example, when I was traveling, as I say, 125, 150, 200,000 miles a year, I always traveled with and made sure that when I came to a new city, that before I, I always got in at least a 45 minute run before the day started, okay? And <clears throat> that just sets you up. And I think that discipline, if you can maintain that discipline in your personal life and, and stay physically active and physically healthy, it allows you to have the energy you need to stay 
in the game, especially as you mature. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happens is the, the comment is, well, you know, they're old, they're in the rocking chair, you know, don't do anything, you can't keep up, what have you. It is, it is part of it, a big part of staying in business is to be able to stay alert and physically active. And <clears throat> if you are physically active, if you are healthy, okay, then you are credible as being somebody where people will listen because they'll say, he will be able to contribute. It's not like, you know, he'll get in at 10, he'll go to lunch at 12, he'll come back at two, and he's gone by four, right? It's just, it's seven in the morning to seven in the evening, seven in the evening, seven in the morning. Just pick which part-time job you want, right? And, and I think that to keep that in balance, you need to do that. So, so for me, for example, my, <clears throat> my near-term goal is to do Ironman until I'm 85. Okay. Wow. So, so and, and by doing that, I look at and I arrange my life and I think about my health. I think about my level of activity. I think about things and I say, okay, how is this going to work for the next 20 years? You know, what do I have to do today? So I'm good for the next 20 years. And as a result, I am constantly learning, checking out the newest scientific stuff there, checking, you know, going, going, getting the, the, whether it's on my bike, getting the, the computer analysis doing on the, on the running, you know, the, you know, the 3D, you know, how you're running in real time and all the dynamics that you can do with that. And then just proper, you know, stretching and exercise and, and things of that nature. Those are critical because you need to show up in today's world, especially looking like you've got the energy to, to actually drive this thing. Right. I mean, I mean think about it. Would, would Elon Musk be as effective? Okay if he looked like Albert Einstein and came to the office at noontime, right? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, we, we are, we are in a society and especially in business, we are obsessed with youth. We are obsessed with new ideas. Okay. And, and if you're going to play in that for the long term, you have to stay in that. And that's, that's part of it. And I just think it also, again, Team sports, why team sports so valuable? Team sports allow you to recognize that even if you are greatest of all time, okay, you make mistakes, you throw interceptions, you know, you miss a shot, you know, <clears throat> you, the, the keeper was down and you, you missed the whole goal. I mean, you, I mean you, you think about it. You, you look at Champions League shootouts. You have guys who are getting paid tens of millions of dollars. They have, to, they have to shoot and aim the ball 11 meters to hit this big goal, and they kick it over top of the thing and lose the Champions League, right? I mean, how many times does that happen? Just go back and look at it. So, so what you do is, what you, in a good team, you recognize the others pick you up. You were brilliant that time you scored that, and then the other time you totally shanked it. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, so recognizing and, and, and team sports, I hope, teach a certain amount of humility. And I think this is the other thing, too. So I, I love the combination of, of the team sports for humility, teamwork, <clears throat> what have you. <clears throat> and then I love triathlon because, trust me, uh, <clears throat> it's dark. You know, it's getting like nine o'clock and I've been on the road now for the last 
14 hours and I just want to get home and somehow I'm cramping up and you know that it's been a day you know the temperature was in the 90s and I think I'm on the edge of a heat stroke but you know I got to keep going you just go through that and then when you come out the other side it's like <clears throat> did anybody die today no it was not, it was a good day right but I have been I have been in Ironmans where guys have died okay <clears throat> and it's one of those things where you recognize you know they thought I mean for me it's thing <clears throat> it's like and he was 25 years younger than I was <laughs> oh <laughs> because he didn't pay attention to his nutrition you know or he did something stupid right and, and so you 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 learn you learn in that process to to take a longer view to to push yourself and recognize how far you can push yourself and that also arises then in business because then when something bad happens in business okay they're like okay you know something bad happened it's just a fact okay just because just because this deal went south, just because this investment went south, okay, doesn't mean that life has ended. It's just, okay, it's another data point. And I think that that helps you to maintain a proper mindset. It's just money. It's just money, okay? And, and you know, it's, it's nice, okay? Would, you know, would I, do, do, I, do I wish I'd invested, in, you know, an extra 100,000 in Tesla back in, back in March? Sure, who wouldn't, right? But on the other hand, there's other stuff, right? And who knows, you know, who knows which Xerox of 1970 I missed. <laughs> right. <laughs> or what's coming for that matter, right? Or what's, or what's coming. coming. Which I, I have a, <clears throat> I think, don't know if I told you the story, I had a friend of mine, <clears throat> he was offered in 2001, he was offered an opportunity to be a CEO <clears throat> of, a, uh, of a startup search company. At the time, there were 65 search companies out there, all bigger than this one. And he was looking at it and he said, I've been through this. You know, he'd, he'd made several hundred million in various things. So he was like, like, ah, what do I need? And so I was like, ah, I've got this other one. I'll keep going with this one. I think this is a much better, you know, I've just gone through this. I'll like, forget about it. And it was Google. Yeah. He, he oh, said, my gosh. And he said, this is my... I mean, this was a few years ago. He says, this is my $2 billion letter. That, because where I said, no, no thanks, right? <clears throat> and, and it was one of those that I, I wish he'd taken it because he's a super, super generous guy. He's got all sorts of, uh, of cool stuff that he does. Uh, but, you know, again, it's a situation where, <clears throat> you know, stuff like that happens. And, and how do you, do you get stuck in the past? I think this is, you know, from an investor's perspective, is super important. Are you a victim? Are you a victim or are you somebody who is paddling the canoe through the rapids of life and getting wet occasionally? Sometimes the canoe flips, okay? But are you most of the time paddling the canoe? Or are you sitting there <clears throat> in, in a little life raft that's just spinning its way through the rapids and getting flipped over periodically? And this, I think, too, is, is, is perhaps a point that on, on life that is important for you as an investor is to surround yourself with positive people. Mm, absolutely. It is. If you, if you have people who support you, who fill you up, who, who boost you up when, you're, when your canoe flips, okay, that's who you need. 
having people who can recite to you every bad thing that happened to them and how life all went bad because of something that happened <clears throat> on the playground when they were 12 years old. And as a result of that, they have had nothing but problems their life. I was like, I, I mean, I, I find it fascinating that I have, you know, I know someone where, you know, they were raised by alcoholic, they were an orphan, they were raised by, you know, the, 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 you know, the put up for adoption and raised by alcoholics. Okay. And, and he is an incredibly wonderful person and super successful, great family man, what have you, <clears throat> because he took from seeing that and making decisions and saying, I am not going to live my life that way, that mm. he's had an amazing life. And I've seen people where, you know, they have been given everything, every opportunity. I, I, I know someone who is homeless on the streets in his 40s here in Silicon Valley, whose parents are super successful, university professors, siblings are successful as in professional life, and he's homeless because <clears throat> I wanted to be a singer and I never got the break I should have gotten. Mm -hmm. And 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 to the and, and in a sense he's happy to be on the streets. I mean he said like I'm not working for the man. I'm not <clears throat> I have no stress. You know, mm -hmm. I mean and so <clears throat> you know it's fine. So I I mean I met him at a you know, doing homeless dinners, right, at our church. And again, really interesting person, but it's it's fascinating to see how same gene pool, you know, siblings went one, and parents obviously were, went to, so I think that's why it's important to surround yourself by people who, who are motivated and sit there saying, okay, life happens, right? Right. Get on with it. And, and, and how can I help? And I think this is the thing is, if you, when you're doing, when you're talking with and connecting with and, and, and dealing with people, you want to be working with people whose, whose response is, how can I help? Because <clears throat> that brings, that will bring the best out in you. Mm -hmm. That yeah. will bring the best out in you <clears throat> because then, then you will, <clears throat> that will increase your trust quotient, your openness to adventure, your willingness to, to take chances on people if people take chances on you. And I think that's the important thing that are you genuinely on a daily basis contributing and, and giving back and, and helping to build the world? Because, you know, <clears throat> there's, it's constantly negative news. If it bleeds, it leads, right? <clears throat> and you can choose to get sucked up in it or you can say, no, I'm lighting my candle. I'm not cursing the darkness and get on with your life and, and do that in your investment, do that with, with, with you, the friends you're with. And I think, that's that's where your quality of life is and it starts with you know it starts at home and and i think if you if you keep that then you'll you'll have a situation where you've got a great relationship with your spouse you'll have a great relationship with your kids <clears throat> is it always perfect no you will fight yes learn to fight fairly even better <laughs> <laughs> and 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 at the end of the day you sit there and say hey it's it was a good life and and i've and i'm it was a good life and i'm enjoying it <clears throat> so and i meet interesting people that's fantastic. Well, Reynolds, you know, I've, your wisdom is always inspiring to me for somebody who's following, uh, you know, the footsteps and, and having learning from mentors, coaches, and people who have done things differently, faster, maybe differently, or lived a different life, or even the same life, but just a few years ahead, really 
is helping me a lot. And, and I know that a lot of us here are benefiting from your wisdom and some of the things that you're sharing with us where, you know, investments, entrepreneurism, um, and, and also family and how to find that, uh, find, find the combination of how to live life to the fullest. So Ronald, in closing, can you share with us, you know, how, you know, like, how can people get a hold of you? You know, if they want to learn more about, you know, career coaching and, and what you're doing and also more wisdom as to how, um, they can accelerate in their career path as well. And along the various different lines of work that you do, could you share with us how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, the you know my my website is my name. It's pretty easy. It's reynoldblukey.com. That's R E Y N O L D L E W K E dot com. So reynoldblukey.com. That's my website. <clears throat> Has all the stuff on it that you need to. And the email is reynold R E Y N O L D at reynoldblukey.com. Pretty simple there. So uh, happy to do that. And you know check you know LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn too, obviously. So. You check it out. There's there's not too many Reynolds Blukies out there on LinkedIn, so I think you can you can probably find me that way too. So there's only happy, one handsome one that I know of. <laughs> so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you very much for you know spending time with us, Reynolds. It is a pleasure. It is an honor to have you here. I'm sure this is the first of many times that we did a two-part series on family, on intergenerational wealth, and now the second part on how we you know build and also you know build our um, you know, finances as well as investing. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Reynolds. Again, this is Thank Peter Leung, where we talk everything investing, everything entrepreneurism, and we're glad that you can join us. Make sure you give us a five star, follow us, follow Reynolds, because you know I've learned a tremendous amount through these two part series and also the previous weeks that we had a chance to, to talk. So Thank you, Reynolds, for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great evening, and thanks for joining us here. Good night.